I'm Heather, and this is the Living with Addiction podcast, where I show you how you have more power than you realize when it comes to helping yourself and your child that's struggling with addiction. Hey, everybody. I had a podcast written out for today, and but the last 24 hours has changed my mind about what I want to talk about. I just want to share with you what's been going on and how I've been handling it because I think that it will be helpful. I've been dealing with my daughter's addiction since she was 14 and she's 20. She'll be 21 in a few months. And I know that it's not as long as many have been dealing with it. But, you know, for the last few years... I had what I would call somewhat of a reprieve at times because, you know, until when she was a minor, she was living at home and you have to be way more involved with a minor. And when I, she turned almost 18 and moved out, then I had already started detaching with love detaching from her addiction, but still trying to have a close, better relationship with her. And as I worked on that, I became more attached, more detached from her addiction. It had less of an effect on me. But things have changed. (laughs) And now recently, it has had more of an effect on me. And I'm not even sure how much of this I've shared on the podcast. So I'll just share quickly that, um, you know, my daughter's only gone to rehab once, twice. She went once when she was 15 and it only lasted less than two weeks before she ran away from there. And so I honestly really didn't think that she would ever go back to rehab again. But last year in August, she called me one day and said that she was ready to go to rehab. And I already had a place picked out because she had been talking about it for a little while. And I just want to say that I highly recommend that because you certainly don't want to be looking for a rehab when your child asks, it's nice to have the time to choose a couple. And I had sent them to her and she had looked at them and made the final decision on the one that she wanted to go to. So we didn't have to make that decision in the last minute. And another thing that I'd like to add about that, that we did not do or that I did not do was looking at the whole program. Like what happens when they're done with the initial inpatient part of the treatment. That was where this place was that she went to was amazing with that part of things. Um, They worked really hard with her to get her sober. But once that was over, the program kind of fell off. She moved into like um, partial hospitalization, a PHP program. And it was more like sober living, but you know, there was no more counseling. And if she didn't go to group, nobody followed up with her. So, 
she got caught up in the cycle a couple of times where she would get through the inpatient portion of the program and then get into the PHP part and things she would relapse. And so in October, the end of October, actually October 31st, she ended up coming to Florida and she was sober for a couple of months till sometime after the first of the year, I believe. And then we started seeing some signs and talked to her about it. But I also was struggling to believe that she was using again because her behavior was much different than it had been in the past. Um, she wasn't using as much. It, I could look her in the eyes and have a conversation with her and not tell that she was using. And before that, I could always tell that she was using. So there was a period of time where we just weren't sure what she was doing, but we were still trying to work things, work through things with her, keep everything out in the open, not have any secrets, not have any shame, and still trying to work with her as long as she was respectful to the rules of the house. And it appeared that she was for a long time until recently um, things, you know, her use of course started progressing and any parent who's listening to this right now who has a child addicted, addicted to meth or heroin or any of those drugs like that knows how progressive this disease is, how our kids get involved with people in situations and do things to get drugs that our kids never would have done before, that things that were just unimaginable that we're exposed to, things that we know that our kids go through that we can't even, I can't even fathom sometimes. And my heart is so heavy right now because of that. That part of knowing that it was, you know, trauma and emotional issues that got her started using and knowing that the actual addiction itself is full of so much more trauma, the lifestyle, the things that they have to do to get drugs. It is just unimaginable. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is cracking. I have not slept much. And it's just been a really trying 24 hours because we decided, um, not we decided, but my daughter said she wanted to get sober. And so, and she was going to get back on Suboxone and she needed to, you know, you have to go like 24 hours into withdrawals before you can start using it. You've got to have enough symptoms to start using it because if you don't, then it puts you into precipitate, precipitated withdrawals, which is even worse, which is what happened last night. And without going too much into her story, because this is really about me, I'll just say that, you know, we ended up at the hospital again. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've been to the hospital with her and how many times I've left there with this empty feeling having to leave her there, knowing that she's in pain and there's nothing that I can do to help her except for love and support her from a distance and love my daughter, but detach from her disease. And I know that that's not easy. It is such a trying thing for a parent to do. It goes against everything that our parenting, everything that our, you know, parental instincts guide us to do. And I for realized last night that I had really forgotten that when I finally decided to release her just before she turned 18, when I got to the point that I realized that nothing that I was doing was working, that it was just all insanity on my part. All of the doctors that I was taking to her to, all of the contracts and rules and boundaries, all of the things that I was doing were just impossible because she did not want to be sober. And you know what it's like if a person doesn't want to be sober, there is literally nothing that you can do. The things that I focus on doing are for me so that I can live the happiest, healthiest life and have this sadness in my heart for her that she isn't a part of my life the way I want her to be, but also have enjoyment in my life. But there's also days like today where 100% of my heart is sad. And I choose that because I went through this first, you know, I was so numb for so long. And yesterday was one of those days where I had to be numb to stay level-headed and not get angry and not meet where she was at. When I looked at my daughter and her eyes, her eyes just, she wasn't there. And I'm sure you've experienced that with your kids too, where you look in their eyes and you know that the drug is totally in control, that they are just not there. And that's what I could see in her yesterday. And I went very numb trying to support her through her withdrawals, hopefully just getting to the point where she could take the Suboxone. And things just did not work out as planned. And my heart is heavy today because of that. You know, I don't know if she is going to choose sobriety. It feels highly unlikely. It seems like this drug has 
more of a hold on her than ever. And I hope that I'm totally wrong, but I just have to keep my mind open to what could happen. You know, she was saying that she wants to go back to Oklahoma and the way that things have gone since she has been here. I think that she's fallen in with worse people here than she ever even knew in Oklahoma. And I never thought that sending her back there would be the safest thing for her. But at this point, if she doesn't want to be sober, I believe that that is what's safest for her. And the whole point of this is just sharing how sometimes we just have to let go. And it's hard. But what I realized last night I was leaving the hospital at like 2.30 this morning and I just felt so empty. And I realized that for, you know, since after I got off my last call yesterday with clients, I went to see her, it was like 4.30. And since that time until 2.30 in the morning, like I hadn't done anything to take care of myself. Like I was dehydrated. I hadn't had anything to drink. All of my focus had been on her and it had been such an emotional strain. I used to live like that every day. And going years living outside of that, because yesterday I was in the middle of her addiction. Well, for years, I've lived outside of it and getting that glimpse of it reminded me the way I used to live and how numb I had to be all of the time to cope and how I didn't take care of myself. That wasn't just, you know, 10 hours of not taking care of myself. It was days and years of not taking care of myself and putting her needs above mine. And I realized how much I had changed over the last few years as I was walking out of there that I knew that I couldn't go back to that, that I can't live that way and that I do have to let her go. Like whatever happens, I have to choose myself in this situation because I cannot save her. I have to choose to be in a situation where I can take care of my needs and she has to be willing to take care of herself. And right now she is not, that's just not the place her head is in. And I don't know what's going to happen when she gets out of the hospital. She's probably going to want to leave for Oklahoma and I will not do anything to try to stop her because we have done everything, everything. My whole family has pulled together to try to support her and love her and do everything that we can think of to try to help keep her sober. And it didn't work. This disease has such an insidious hold on our kids and when they're under the influence of it. They don't make good decisions and we're the ones. We have to be able to make good decisions. We have to 
step outside of their addiction and really take care of ourselves and make sure that we have the resilience that we need to, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, last night I was sprinting and I used to live (laughs) trying to run a marathon with a sprint pace and not taking care of myself. And it didn't work. I ended up sick and burned out. And I'm facing a lot of, you know, my own health challenges right now with breast cancer. And I just came to the realization last night, like, I have to choose myself again. And I pray to God that my daughter chooses herself. But if she doesn't, all I can do is acceptance. Like, I'll be going right back to the early stages of how I dealt with her addiction. I will be going back through acceptance that we did everything we could and it still wasn't enough. And that I am going to take care of myself so that I have the resilience to show up for her when she is ready to get sober again. And I'm going to keep living as an example of the life that I want her to live. I'm going to take care of myself the way I want her to take care of herself, the way she just isn't able to right now. And I will be here and ready when she is. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't have to relearn any of this, that I am the only one that can create my peace of mind in this situation. She cannot do that for me. There is nothing that she can do to create peace of mind for me because even when she was in rehab, (laughs) it was hard. Thank God I chose a rehab that was eight hours from where she lived because she would have left many times if she could have just called a friend to come and get her. Even two or three hours probably would have been too close. She could have talked somebody into it. But even her being in rehab, that was tough because she was wanting to leave all of the time. And after she got out, it's not like it's ever smooth sailing. I mean, there might come a point where after they have a long-term sobriety, We don't know if or when that's coming for us. None of us know. And the only option that we have is to create our own peace of mind and to take care of ourselves and be an example of that for our kids and know when it's time to let them go and know when it's time to put your own oxygen mask on first and take care of yourself. And, you know, I know some other mothers and fathers are going through this right now where they're at that point where they're having to let go. And I know how painful it is. So I just want to say, I understand what you're going through. 
and I am here if you need to talk. And if you don't talk to me, make sure you have somebody to reach out to. Make sure that you have a support system in place. If you don't have one, start working on it. I've been building my support system for years. I go to a licensed drug and alcohol counselor every week. She is my saving grace. I work with coaches. I have friends who understand. I have friends who I can call and say, I just need you to listen while I vent. And I have friends who can help me work through things when I'm ready to work through them and process. Like, I know that I have all these people that are just a phone call away from me. And it's a huge comfort for me. And so I just would like to offer for you to start working on your own support team. Do whatever it is that you need to do to provide that for yourself, to put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, how long has it been since you had a nutritious meal or a good night's sleep or drank enough water? My mouth is dry right now just making this podcast because I'm still haven't caught up. You know, I didn't hardly sleep last night. I've hardly eaten anything and I've hardly had anything to drink. And the rest of my day is going to be focused on that, is focused on taking care of myself so that I can make good decisions. I can't make good decisions from where I am right now. I need to take care of myself and make sure that I'm eating, sleeping, drinking water, that I will go walk and spend time outside in nature and meditate and deep breathe and do whatever I have to do to get through this and take care of myself. So that's all I have for you today. Just know that if you're in a place where you're struggling to let go, I totally understand just remember how they tell you on an airplane that you have to put your own oxygen mask on first and you have to be that example and take your own advice and do exactly what you want your child to do for themselves. I'm thinking of each and every one of you and what everybody's going through and how much I hate (laughs) what addiction does to so many people's lives. And I hope that you all have a good rest of the week and I will be back next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about my work, go to heatherrosscoaching.com. If you want to help other parents who are struggling with a child's addiction, you can do it two different ways. First, you can share the podcast with them directly, or you can share it on your social media. Second, you can leave a review. Talk to you next week.